To those of you listening to us on the Internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to the members and guests gathered here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this 25th Sunday after Pentecost is the second reading for this morning from Hebrews chapter 10. You heard it read before. I recall just these words. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming again, my beloved. For those of you who have done any traveling at all by way of commercial, commercial airlines, you recognize what a hassle it is. And one of the biggest challenges facing you when you're traveling is waiting. You wait in line to have your baggage uh, checked. You wait in line to get through the TSA line. Uh, you wait for your plane to arrive Uh, You wait in line to get on the plane, and then when you reach your destination, you wait for your luggage to arrive at the carousel. You wait, wait, and wait. Some of you may know that I have three brothers. And on occasion, in fact, um, quite often in the past, the four brothers of of us and our wives traveled together. We went overseas, went down south, quite a few places. And that's eight people traveling together. Sometimes uh, when uh, people would see us bored on the plane or waiting together, they would say, is this some sort of group? And we would say, yeah, this is some group. And uh, it's kind of interesting because they say, you guys are all related and you travel together? And uh, it gave us the opportunity to make a great testimonial regarding our Christian faith and our love for one another. Sometimes in the airport, you know, when you go a little bit of stir-crazy, I start joking about waiting. And so I ask my brothers and sister-in-law now, I said, now are you waiting passively or are you waiting actively? Because there's two different ways that you can wait, you know. If you wait passively, sometimes you just go to sleep, you know, pass the time. Uh, Maybe experience a little boredom, frustration, impatience. Or there's active waiting where you can do some reading, listening to music, nice conversation, walk the corridors of the concourse, uh, check the marquee every so often. And then when your plane finally arrives, you go into sort of a different mode of waiting because now there is immediate anticipation. You get up, you stand up, you put your books away, you pull your luggage behind you and you get in line because now there's that anticipation. You're going on vacation. Or if it's been 10 days of vacation, now you're finally going home. 
these last two Sundays of the church year, and the four Sundays after that. These are the end uh, uh, Sundays of the church year. Then we get into four Sundays of Advent. The emphasis of the theme of those Sundays is all on waiting. Waiting for the second visible arrival of Jesus, our Savior. As the angel said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Now, how we wait for our Lord Jesus' second return is important. The book of Hebrews in this chapter 10, the writer to the Hebrews tells us three different ways that people wait or have waited for Jesus' arrival. First of all, it talks about the Old Testament priests and what they did waiting for the first arrival of the Messiah Savior. Then it talks about Jesus and what he did and how he now is actively waiting. And then it talks about the priests of 2015, that'd be you and me, and how we Wait as the great day approaches. As we wait, the writer to the Hebrews encourages us to imitate the attitude and the activities of the Old Testament priests and of our Savior himself. We wait by actively offering sacrifices. Now the people way, way back 4,000 years before the arrival of, of Jesus Christ were told by God to actively wait for the Messiah Savior who is coming. Then, about 1,500 years B.C., God gave his special chosen people an exclusive set of people or sect of people among them uh, as a visual aid to remind them that the Savior was going to come. That designated group of people were called priests. And the priests offered daily sacrifices for the people. Now, to understand really priests and sacrifices, you have to understand that the common everyday person who was not a priest could not offer a sacrifice. They could only bring the sacrifice to God's house. It was only the priest who could offer that sacrifice. Now, just exactly what is this whole concept of priests and sacrifices? Priests were God's designated mediators or go-between. And the visual aid that God wanted to uh, put in the minds of the people is, people are too sinful to step in the presence of our holy God. And so they need a mediator or a go-between. They can talk to the priest. The priest will talk to God. God is too holy to come into the presence of sinful people. So the holy God would talk to the priest, and the priest would talk to the people about what God had said. But you didn't go directly because the people were sinful. Also, the people, the common people, could not go into the temple. That was a place where the holy, powerful God uh, lived. Only the priests could enter the temple. And priests, as go-betweens, also offered the sacrifices. People would bring their animals to the front door of the temple. It could be a heifer, it could be a bull, it could be a goat, it could be a lamb as a sacrifice. Now, you have to understand that those animals were a very expensive commodity. That was part of their assets. And so when they brought a sacrifice to the temple, that was giving up something near and dear to them. And what did the priests do? They took that innocent animal, had to be perfect and a male, 
They slit its throat, they bled it, and they burned it on an altar. And the significance of the whole thing was that that innocent victim that you gave up to die died in your place as punishment for your sin so you could go free. Sin was dealt with by an innocent male bleeding and dying. The writer to the Hebrews said there was only one problem. The priests had to do this day after day after day after day. Those priests, you know, they began a day dressed up in white robes. I would imagine by noontime, they were up to their armpits in blood and all that ash and dust from the burning sacrifices. They looked like a mess. And during the whole time, they always stood. They had to stand because they could never sit down because their work was never done over and over and over, actively busy. Why? Waiting for the ultimate sacrifice to arrive to take away people's sins once and for all. And so it was, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those under the law. His first arrival was in a manger, in a stable, in swaddling clothes. But he didn't stay that way. At age 33, he was whipped and he was beaten, and he innocently and actively died for you and me. God gave up his son to bleed and to die as the Lamb of God to take away sins once and for all. Jesus, himself the victim and himself the priest. The ultimate priest was at the one and the same time the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The innocent one, punished in your place, the guilty ones, you and I, so that we could escape our, the punishment for our sins. What sins? Our sins of passive waiting. Our sins of passive waiting for his second arrival. Boredom, frustration, anxiety, impatience. All removed. The writer to the Hebrews says, remembered no more. And then he says, and where these have been forgiven, there are no longer any sacrifices for sins. It's finished. No more sacrifices. No more priests killing animals. God's innocent son punished for you. And then you know the rest of the story. After Jesus paid for your sins on the cross, he rose again. And he ascended into heaven, the writer to the Hebrew reminds us, to sit at the right hand of God. Now, you know that uh, God is invisible, so these are our human words descriptions so we can understand that, that Jesus is victorious. But his work is done because it says that Jesus, the great high priest, unlike the earthly high, the priests, he sat down. The priest had to stand up all the time because their work was never done. Jesus sat down. His work was completely finished. But the Bible also says as Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father, he also ascended so that he could fill all things. And that means that right now Jesus is not only interceding for you with his blood because all your sins are taken away and God can't punish you anymore, but he's also ruling over all things 
for you. And that means the 129 people who died in Paris and all the 800 that were injured. You say, oh, that was just a random act of violence. God controls and rules over all things. And even that, and you can't understand it, is done for you as a member of his church. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Jesus is actively waiting, ruling over all things. It's kind of interesting. It says, Jesus, since he ascended into heaven, he now waits. He's waiting for what? For the signal from his heavenly Father to depart from heaven for his second arrival here on earth. Not in a manger, but in clouds in great glory and power. And to do what? To finally make his enemies his footstool, like in the old Bible days. When the generals conquered a city, they made the generals and the kings come out and they put their foot on and made them lie uh, face down and they put their foot on their neck. You're done for. You're conquered. Satan, now you're in hell forever. And you and I, we're all family waiting. And he encourages us to wait actively for his second arrival by bringing sacrifices. No, no more animal sacrifices. No more dead sacrifices. St. Paul encourages us, bring your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. Imitate those Old Testament priests. Imitate what Jesus did on the cross. Actively waiting. And actively wait Uh, by giving up some sacrifices, give up something that's near and dear to you. Uh, The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Give up some of your time as a sacrifice to the Lord in love and good deeds. For instance, be merciful and kind. I believe as a pastor the ultimate kindness that you can show to your fellow Christian is to attend the funeral of your fellow Christians and cry with your fellow Christians and sympathize with them because by your presence there is telling them you're sending your loved one home who departed before us and we cry because we're separated because we still here have to wait for Jesus to call our flight number and that's hard to wait the writer to the hebrew says let us not give up meeting together as the habit of some is. Give up some of your time to spend your time together with your family here in church, entering God's presence, drawing close to him, with the, which uh, the people of the Old Testament couldn't do, only the priests could do. But now you are a royal priesthood, a holy people. You can go directly to God in prayer, begging him for mercy, and his daily grace to help you wait for him more confidently in this broken world. And then encourage one another. 
Spend some time speaking to each other about what you have heard and seen in your daily appointment with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, strangers, Jesus really did live. He really did die. He really rose again. He took away all of your sins. Jesus is coming soon. Hang on because you can make it. You see, how we wait is all important. Because how we wait says something about us. We are all family, traveling together, waiting for the great day to approach. And while we are waiting, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus will be landing soon, so let us all be busy actively waiting. Because when these things begin to take place, stand up! And lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. To do what? To take you to a new heaven and a new earth. To take you to your real home forever. Where there will be no more waiting. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.